0: I mean somebody
1: seriously calls you and says you have to be yes, in one of
0: my films yes, they, or I blow they, your they head off? off. Yeah. yeah, they would. They would tell you that. Yeah. I want to begin by asking you, what is your understanding of uh, Sushant Singh Rajput's death? He seemed to be a guy uh, who was standing firmly on his ground. For somebody like him, who was fairly intelligent, to have just taken his life and not leave a, uh, a suicide note behind, exonerating everybody else and taking the onus on himself, that he, uh, you know, he's taking his own life out of his own will and uh, volition is something, it, it, it sounds and looks very shady. What I mean to say is normally when you are fighting against a system, when you are questioning the system, uh, uh, it, it so happens that the system after a point crushes you, it becomes death. Let me ask you this, you've also lashed out at what you believe is a certain mafia in uh, Bollywood, uh, not perhaps uh, in the literal sense of the b- word, but uh, you know, as a metaphor, why should these people not be named? the mafia exists, if there is an underworld, I might not know the name of the dons, but you know it exists, right? And there are people being extorted, people being bumped off, people being, you know, tortured or whatever. They they are the ones who control everything. Whether you are a star kid or you're not. You know, it's like Pandora's box. It's, it's the Pandora's box is opened up, the can of worms, and there are many things that have emerged. This nexus uh, exists out here, and they, they 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 are very cruel, and they are wicked, and they they they're mercenaries, and they, they would stop at, at nothing to to achieve their end. So one has to just bring them down, you know, on on, on their
2: knees. Welcome to Speak All Evil, a podcast you were warned about. I'm Haster, deep down in the womb of the goddess of prosperity with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey guys, how's it going? Hello. Hey. hey, how's it going? This week, we're talking Bollywood. Most of us probably think of Bollywood as sort of a catch-all shorthand. For Indian movies generally, it's a little more complicated than that. Bollywood technically refers to Hindi-language films from the Mumbai film industry. That's the biggest and most well-known sector uh, of Indian cinema. Produced one of the movies that we watched this week, Tumbad, although you don't really see that referred to as a Bollywood film. I think there are also stylistic and genre connotations that Tumbad doesn't really fit, but it is, it is Hindi language um, and the main production company is from Mumbai. The other movie we we're talking about this week, Iga, was filmed in two other languages simultaneously from two other regions of India. I think you would call it a Tollywood movie. Technically, there's also a Hollywood. I get the feeling that as Indian film grows and reaches a international audience, broader, um, some of these terms might be a little bit anachronistic. But it's important to recognize that we're talking about India, we're talking about a country with 22 officially recognized languages second most populous country in the world and even when you get beyond these regional and linguistic definitions there are further stylistic and genre categories so we're just trying to scratch at the surface a little bit and we're of course more interested in the evil side of things. Uh, Dave what you got for us this week? Um,
1: I came across some interesting stuff researching Bollywood movies I'd seen a handful of them not all horror But when I googled Bollywood horror, um, I actually got a ton of, like, true crime within the Bollywood film industry that came up before I even got any results for movies, which at first I filtered through and just went to the the horror movie stuff. But there's a lot of stuff about D Company uh, and this guy, Dawood Ibrahim. Ibrahim? (laughs) Uh, The faster you say it, the better. Dawood Ibrahim,
2: Dawood Ibrahim.
1: <laughs> um, but he uh, leads an organized crime syndicate uh, called D Company that's controlled Bollywood for years. A lot of mysterious uh, murders and uh, the reason why I thought that maybe I should not sift through this stuff this week is because Sushant Singh, a prominent Bollywood actor, died this week from what was called a suicide but a lot of uh, Bollywood is kind of up in arms about um, whether this is a suicide or a murder. And a lot of stuff is kind of shown a light on this mafia that runs Bollywood.
2: Yeah, I was just reading, too, and it seems incredible, but it seems to be true, that his after his after shortly after his suicide, his manager died from supposedly falling off a balcony which is sort of a classic, um, mysterious way to die. Like, <laughs> he kills himself, and then right after that, his manager falls off a balcony and dies. And when you when you get into reading about this stuff, one thing that comes up a lot is is the nepotism of the Indian film industry and, and Bollywood, Mumbai industry in particular, is like like a family-run operation almost that you can't really break into it unless you're a descendant or you're approved by these families and once you are you still have to do the roles that they want you to do and I think my the impression that I get is that it's very hard to break out of this kind of almost a syndicate style control over the film industry and I think now some of these movies are getting out and getting around that and featuring people that aren't necessarily approved by this uh this kind of this ad hoc organization the things i
1: saw were talking about how they're comparing this to the me too movement the black lives matter movement and what happens um with these things when they're within an an industry uh especially you know an industry that is artistic a lot of that control is going to begin to dissolve as the walls come down on these gangsters hopefully they get all Weinstein but um because that lets in movies that are outside of the norm less commercial and that, that was part of the thing with Bollywood that I had reservations about is its main body of work that you see here in the United States it's huge production like you can tell there's a lot of money behind it um but it's often the same actors like you were saying with like uh, nepotism uh, surrounding the industry. It's
2: yeah, and we we found a, we watched a couple movies this week that seem to be from outside of that system. I didn't find much connection between the two movies that we watched and this older system. So I think these might be examples. Uh, Tumbad, one of which was uh, screened at the International, the Venice Film Festival, and that they've never screened an Indian film before. I don't know how much that has to do with. What we we're talking about but it seems like some of this stuff is is starting to see the light of day outside the country and getting around that studio system maybe
1: well the bollywood don uh diewood has a 25 million dollar reward speak all
2: evil will collect that yes reward. we're we coming will. for you don
1: someone put a bug in my ear about this movie i originally mm-hmm. said i wanted to watch the movie maki um which we couldn't find anywhere And we realized what you had said about the dual language versions of these. It was a movie called Ega. Both words uh, mean fly.
3: Um,
1: And I had come across this movie by accident. Uh, I don't even know how I made it through. It starts off kind of looking like a really cheesy, like Sprite commercial. Um, (laughs) And then as it evolves... uh, you see it touch on pretty much every style. Uh, Sometimes we uh, are a little uh, critical of whether something is considered horror or evil. Um, And this one, you know, you don't get in until three quarters of the way through before you even say, okay, you can't say this isn't horror. You also can't say this isn't a musical. You can't say this isn't comedy. You can't say this isn't a romance. Um... It's just everything. Um, And it really pulls it off well. And it's a really fun movie. It's a revenge film about a guy who's um, pining for this girl for like the better part of two or three years, and she's playing hard to get. Um, And he's a very humble guy, uh, blue-collar, just guy that lives next door. And then there's this very, very powerful... Uh, character that also wants the same girl as him, and he's kind of like this, um, you know, rich, like Trump, like give him some money and grab him by the pussy kind of fellow. And he kills our main character in order to get his girl. Um, and he comes back as a fly um, and... I like, I like the the reincarnation aspect because um, that's a big part of, of the religion and to see it uh, kind of in this comedic uh, vengeful setting I imagine was a little provocative because you know you, you watch these movies, you put it on and immediately when you put it on uh, an Indian movie there's a like permit. It shows on the screen yeah. like you have to fill out this certificate that you got permission for the movie. That comes up, and also if anyone is smoking in yeah. Indian movie, <laughs> uh, uh, a warning comes on the side of your screen like a subtitle saying that smoking is bad for you. Uh, they don't mention anything about shooting people in the face with guns <laughs> or uh, beating women, car chases or beating women. Just the smoking, but uh, Maki is. Incredibly fun for a long time anytime anyone would would ask me for a movie recommendation. I would say See Maki or Ega Um, It's E E G A Uh, is the one that uh, you can find on Amazon Prime and It's surprising. It's like refreshing. It's a a breath of fresh air because it's unlike any movie I've ever seen
2: Yeah, I I had never heard of this and it's it's really, it's it's a lot what I expected in that it does have everything. I've, I kind of thought of it as, like, The Fly meets Honey, I Shrump the Kids as an Indian adventure, musical, rom-com revenge film. It's just all in there. And uh, I loved it. It, it, it. it does have, I mean could say that it has, uh, like you said, the sprite feel, the sprite commercial feel, <laughs> and sometimes it does. It's—I don't know what the, the film grain is—is um, is kind of of that ilk. But I really enjoyed this. Uh It's—it's it's borderline evil. I'm going to give you the pass because it's such a—it's <laughs> such a fun experience. And a guy does turn into a fly, and I did like that. There was no, like, there's no plot reason why he turns into a fly. It's not like. You know, there was no experiment gone wrong or anything like that. That's just how he reincarnated. He's just a fly, and he has to um, figure out how to uh, get this guy away from the girl that at this point loves him. So I watched it yesterday, and I still feel like this kind of energy that you feel when you see a, uh, a movie like that that just is in really live living color and and hits all the notes and does all the things it was really fun
4: yeah i i had never delved into the world world of bollywood and david kind of sprung on us that it's one of his favorite genres so i watched a bunch of other movies because i was having trouble finding maki i kept finding versions on youtube but they weren't they weren't uh subtitled and then the weird thing about this movie is they speak a bunch of english in it too So they'll go from Mm -hmm. speaking, whether it's Tamil or uh, Telugu, and then they'll just have whole sections in English. So I got through this like 20 or 30 minutes at a time before I was like, where where are the fucking subtitles? Or is this in English? So I watched a bunch of other Bollywood. It's an incredibly interesting genre. Uh, This is like the daddy of them all. So there's a (laughs) subgenre in Bollywood, Hollywood, Tollywood, whichever you want to call it, called Masala Films. And it's what really made Indian cinema blow up, and like you said, Trent, it started to get it out of the country, And, and like China is now taking on big time, like the biggest Bollywood box office hits are making hundreds of millions in China, in US dollars. But Masala, basically, the filmmakers said, fuck it, we're gonna put action, comedy, romance, drama, thriller, and oh, by the way, tons of musical numbers so one of the things that really caught me off guard in this movie and i'll I'll give dave the sprite commercial thing but also do you guys remember like the old rounds of mentos commercials back in Mm the 90s like i kept waiting for someone to pop a mentos When they start introducing new characters, there'll be this whole original musical number all about the character's name. And it's so over the top that at first I was like, this cannot be good. Like, I'm Nani, I'm Nani. I was like, no, 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 no. This is not going to work. The other thing that caught me off guard about Bollywood is they're so fucking long. So few of these movies Mm -hmm. are under two hours. Like, they're like, we're going to make it two and a half. And you read on it, like... This director, I think his first cut of this was nearly twice as long. So can you imagine watching four and a half hours of Iga or Maki? Um, would. Yeah, you absolutely yeah, would. Yeah, I, I thought it went by pretty fast. Yeah, I mean, and then the other thing to point out is it's not like a fly. I think when people think of the fly, you think of Jeff Goldblum in human size form. Like, this guy's a fucking fly go to your trash can right now outside, find a fly that big. And this movie is like an hour and 40 minutes after he turns into the fly of him literally getting revenge on the biggest, baddest character. So you have Nani who is, who would become the fly. Uh, you have Bindu who is the love interest. And then you have Sudeep who is a great bad guy. Like you have to give this movie the evil cause he is a great bad guy. When, cause you gotta keep in mind, Nani's been pining for Bindu for a couple years. Sudeep sees her one day Tries to take her out, sees her flirting with Nani, and is just like, "I'm gonna kill that fucking guy." This is like a day, and he's super evil. But also, as the movie transforms, this actor, whose name is sudi oddly enough, he he turns in like a truly great comedic performance too. Like his performance of him trying to go after the fly and the ridiculous things he puts himself through. Like that guy's a legit actor. I really enjoyed him. I think I think he was my favorite character, not for moralistic reasons um but i thought that guy put it on um i love this dave i think if you're gonna recommend a movie from this country i actually think you start with this one because it's literally you can't get much more over the top
3: i think it's the closest that we're gonna come to watching a disney film for this podcast honestly
4: it really is it's it's really
3: treading the line Yeah, in the beginning, I was like, oh, they just need to start singing and it's going to be a Disney film. And I was like, oh, wait. Hold (laughs) up, hold up. Um... Have you guys ever seen uh, a B movie?
4: The term
2: B movie was meant to refer to the second film in a double feature during Hollywood's golden age. It's since been used to refer to low-budget, non-art house films. You have no idea what you're even talking
1: about. No, you have no idea what I'm talking a about. A movie? The yes,
3: uh, oh, animated yeah. film.
1: Yeah, it was that signed I'm film. pretty sure yeah. it's the same
3: plot line. I'm pretty it sure it's the exact same thing, but with a twist, you know. The murder twist uh the production quality is through the roof man three chef kisses to that it might be the stupidest movie i've ever seen in my whole life but there's a charm to it but it's not like i hated it it was just the whole time i was like oh he's still a fly okay no okay for two more hours he's gonna be flying okay sure the music is great though i will say I do, I do like that. What, but a lot of the times for my subtitle, instead of telling me the words, it just said music.
4: Oh, the I, had the, I had the whole thing.
3: And so yeah. for the first few, when they were like describing the characters and stuff like that, but the, but I was hoping for more um, for more words so I could understand. So you uh, didn't
2: hear Nani? Cool. Nani has a whole specific theme song. Yeah. No, Past I.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard that, but I'm just saying not all of them had the subtitles. Like, sometimes it would be music. And I'm like, they're saying stuff. I'd like, because there are important plot points in the music, which I didn't realize, which also happens in the other film that we watched.
1: Which I would love to get that job to be a songwriter for a movie where you just describe in lyrics what's happening on the screen.
4: Yeah, describe and- a character and like their current situation. Like, no, no yeah. gray area. Like guys pushing a wheelbarrow. Dave, give me a song about a guy pushing a wheelbarrow, and then don't <laughs> give me any metaphors and shit.
1: And I also like that the uh, the love interest um, makes micro uh, art. This, like micro art that's really small. And once it uh, is revealed to her that uh, this fly is her lover, <laughs> uh, she begins making these like weapons and armor. For the fly, so it, it becomes a super fly, and there's even uh, the fly works out and get yeah. and gets buffed. There's
3: a montage. There's, there's a, a Rocky fly montage. montage. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah, there's a. I, I love I love how they just subtly slide in in like the first few minutes that she's a micro artist. Like the first scene is her working on a piece of micro art, and you're like, huh, I wonder how that applies. And you're like, oh, of course she is.
2: Mm-hmm. We're talking about uh, Bindu. Very fine. I would definitely pretend to care about a charity and spend a bunch of money (laughs) like Sudeep the villain does in this for the attention and affection of Bindu. I appreciated the the courtship between Nani, who turns into the fly, and Bindu before he's uh, killed when he's a human. Um, This routine where like she just pretends that she doesn't even see him and totally ignores him constantly and just does enough to let him know that he's supposed to keep doing that while she continues to ignore him and not acknowledge him in any way and then eventually i guess he does it long enough and then she just kind of suddenly decides that she loves him
4: and then doesn't question and then doesn't question one thing when he comes back as a fly and is like i still love you let's go out for coffee
2: they do go out for coffee and she she puts him in the coffee puddle. There's a scene in the coffee shop on the table where she orders the coffee, she spills a little bit on the table for him and then he, you know, has the fly, enjoys his his
4: coffee. And the barista tries to come over and clean it up and she's like, "No, no, no." <laughs> Trying to swat
2: the fly. <laughs> Why was one thing that I found interesting is that Nani, the character, the protagonist who turns into the fly and Sudeep, the villain, in real life their names are Nani and Sudeep
3: yeah oh really yeah Yeah.
2: they both have they both have one word names and they are the names of the characters in this movie I don't know if that's like an Indian um, celebrity thing where you you just like you pick a name and that's just your name in all the movies or what that's about
4: I mean Nani's a great name to write a song about so I wouldn't fuck with that You didn't
2: didn't look any further as to why the the actors are named one name and it's the name they have in the movie It just seems like that's not something you see every day or any day You don't see any day
4: actually For everything that I accepted over two and a half hours the characters names being the same was the least of my concerns Oh we also need to point out that for some reason this movie is framed as a bedtime story So there's an overdub at the beginning of this movie where, like, Papa, will you tell me a story? And he starts telling a story, and she's like, I want a new one. And this is what he comes up with. So that's a hell of a bedtime story. Like, then the guy killed the other guy. Then, I mean...
1: It's weird that it starts like that because it never once goes back to that ever. It
4: might a little bit in, like, the post-credits. It might a little bit. Uh, yes because she asks uh what happened to the thief which is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie doesn't need to be there but there's a scene where <laughs> a she's lot working. of
3: things don't need to be there yes, i feel yes. like in this <laughs> movie. there's a scene
4: where she's working on her micro art uh, probably like her suit for the fly and for some reason some thief has climbed into her bedroom and is hiding and she's talking to nani as the fly and the thief thinks that she's talking to him and he's all shit and she somehow convinces him to turn his life around. So he sneaks back out the window, and then I don't know, an hour and a half later, it shows the thief like totally having his shit together. And I don't know, it was. There's a lot of weird scenes in this.
1: For as happy and commercial, uh, Sprite Disney Mentos, uh, <laughs> it has some pretty violent parts. It's quite violent, and I was I was surprised by that. You don't usually see those two things uh, together, and the juxtaposition of the graphic violence and the fly like you're really cheering for this
2: fly yeah <laughs> um you wouldn't think that a fly could i mean he's so the biggest damage. underdog
1: ever he's like so tiny and he's going against like basically a mob boss yeah and like all his goons um, and he does a great job and they they do they do a great job of coming up with scenarios for the fly to um, Excel.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless you unless you successfully swat the fly, if you think about it, note guns don't really help you. This guy has all the guns and all the goons and everything. Nothing really helps you that much. Again, this fly really exploits the natural advantages that a fly has over a person, like just flying into their eye while they're driving. I mean, it's kind of hard to defend against that kind of thing. And this fly really uh, knows knows his way around. I like the
1: nudity in this movie as well.
2: It was blurred in the Amazon version. The, the crotch is all blurred. Oh, oh it was blurred. blurred. That's out. what I liked about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was what I, I picture
2: like um, Minecraft porn to look like. <laughs> well, there's, there's no, speaking of porn, there's no... Last week we talked about werewolf on human sex. This movie, even though it is a romance between a fly and a woman... There is no fly on human
4: sex in this.
1: That was probably the uh, double-length version that Kevin was talking yeah. about. <laughs> they probably had to cut out all that stuff.
4: Well, you know, you know what uh-huh. else is crazy is... So both movies we talked about tonight, I'll just put it out there now, they were filmed com- like all over again. So uh, the director of this, S.S. Rajamuli, who's, I guess, a pretty big name in, in Bollywood, he made this entire movie and then decided he didn't like what he did and went back and completely reshot the entire film. And the other movie we're going to talk about, Tombod, same thing happened. Made the entire movie uh, and then said, I don't like this, let's start from scratch.
1: I think everyone in this movie uh, is a pretty big name, and I don't mean in the sense that they're famous, but that just their names have lots of letters in them.
2: <laughs> well, not Nani, his, his name is just Nani. It's
1: only yeah, four. yeah. This is one of the few movies that we'll talk about on Speak All Evil that you can like watch with your whole family
4: uh, for, the um, <laughs> for the most part.
1: For the most part. I watched I watched it with Connie a few years ago and uh, I, the the naked scene is slapstick at best. yes, and it's all pixelated out. Um, and it's it's fun. it's not too dark. Uh, there's some blood and stuff, but it's not—it's not too brutal. It's—it's it's kind of a fun ride.
4: All right, so my pick this week was the 2018 movie Toombad, directed by Rahi Anil Barve and co-directed and written with Adesh Prasad. This is the polar opposite of Iga slash Maki that we just talked about. This is a rare take in the horror genre from India that doesn't involve... Uh, a romance that doesn't involve some kind of camp. I think a lot of the horror movies that I watch from this country, a lot of them to me, the the sense that I get is they take an American horror movie or maybe another country or region's horror movie and do kind of a Bollywood spin on it and then, you know, make it two and a half hours long. Uh, This is an incredibly original movie. Um, It got a lot of acclaim when it was made. And basically, Trent hinted during his intro... There's a quick voiceover in the beginning that talks about the Goddess of Prosperity and when the universe was created she gave birth to 16 million or 160 million gods. Her firstborn being Hastar and being her favorite. So the Goddess of Prosperity was responsible for food and, and money. And these are represented as grains and gold, uh, uh, gold uh, medallions. And Hastar being the first and probably, you know, a little shit decided that he was going to steal the gold, and he got away with it. Then he got greedy and decided he was going to steal the grains, and as he did, all of his brothers and sisters, the other gods, started to destroy him. So his mother, having this be her firstborn, says, Look, you're going to live in my womb, which is the earth. Everyone's going to forget you exist. You will never be worshipped. You will never be spoken of. But you are going to live here with your gold and sleep, or you'll be eternally hungry. And this movie follows three generations... Uh, in the same family, that deal with the town of Tumbad, which at some point discovered this god, built a temple to him, and now this town has just been punished. And it deals with our main character, Vinyak Rao, who learns of it as a little kid through his mother. And then we go through three generations of his family. He's involved in all of them and dealing with how they discover this god and, and the greed and sort of corruption that follow.
3: I watched this one first which I think set me up for spooky times as opposed to fun, dancy, singy times. I I thought it was interesting. I definitely missed all of the stuff that Kevin just talked about, so I feel like I was a little confused as to why, you know, this weird uh, doll made out of, you know, flour was making this creepy guy, you know, give all of his coins away. But I thought it was very like it was very pans labyrinthy i got like a little bit of a pans labyrinth vibe you know going down and tricking this otherworldly beast like kind of situation um but yeah i thought it was very visually appealing like same with the other one like production quality is great um but yeah i thought that was fine like i didn't really understand what was going on for most of it i feel like but the ending was cool it all wrapped up in the end.
1: I, I love Tumbad. I do agree that the, the the backstory that it starts with, uh, which is pretty essential to the plot, uh, is a little convoluted and a little complicated to start off with. Uh, so I had I had kind of a hard time. I tried to memorize that little beginning montage, so as the movie went through, I kind of knew what was going on, but there's a lot to it, and I'm sure if uh, you, if I knew more about the Hindi religion, that I might be able to follow this storyline a little bit better, but I thought the movie was great. I thought it was truly scary in some spots, which I did not expect to be scared by Bollywood this week, um, because of the the Maki experience I thought the grandmother uh, there's a grandmother in the, mm-hmm. the first chapter of this that they have to uh, they have to go feed her and she's sleeping and she's
2: super scary <laughs> exactly exactly to your point about the the growing core subgenre in, in Indian film this was the first I find this hard to believe The first Indian film to ever premiere at the Venice International Film Festival, which is one of the biggest, that's like the top, one of the top five international film festivals, never screened an Indian movie before *Tumbat* 2018. Um, And it, it did strike me. I was a little bit surprised at how familiar it seemed to me. It wasn't... It is Hindi and uh, it, it is from Mumbai, but it doesn't have that crazy what we think of when we think of Bollywood. It's it's a much more mm-hmm. traditional like folk horror story. And the the setup with the, the folk story in the beginning, I, I don't even think I think a lot of that is made up from whole cloth, made up uh, custom for this movie. I don't think it's even this like Hastar I think is pretty much or Haster is pretty much made up. Um, okay, I wasn't sure, but I, I really like this. Uh, it was a little confusing at first. It's dark. It's, it takes place in. It starts in 1918. Mm-hmm. It's raining. Everybody has shaved heads and like hoods <laughs> on. It's kind of. It's kind of hard to tell. Like initially, always what's going on. But as the movie goes on, it, it becomes easier to follow. I loved the most royal nail clippers I've ever seen, like uh. gold toenail oh. clippers right at the beginning of this movie. These are ornate gold clippers used to uh, trim the nails of this uh, old guy that I guess they're feeding to. They're feeding to the grandmother. Uh, anyway, it's pretty dark stuff, and it unfolds over, like Kevin said, generations. So uh, by the end of it, you're, it's like 1918, and then it, it does one of those like 15 years later. And you're like, oh, i really skipping some time. And then after that, it goes 14 years later. So cover some ground. One
1: thing I I forgot to mention is that in the beginning, uh, there's all this like CGI affected, like almost animation telling the story of Hastar. That's the first half of it. But the the second half of the telling of the story, it just cuts to a bald woman giving an old man a handjob. Yes. And they're talking about the story. During the hand job, and nothing else has ever spoken about this again. It just—it's just a woman telling a, a folk tale to an old man while
4: giving him a hand job. So the the gist of it is—is is this town tumbad They built—they <laughs> built a shrine. I missed, I missed which, the handjob just... totally. I, mean, I didn't oh, get it's, that at all. It's—it's it's right off the I bat. I didn't even bat, know.
2: But, I watched the handjob. I had no idea. But,
4: but uh, it's too bad. It's Tumbad is the. <laughs> No, let's not start. This town f- discovered Hastar, built a shrine, and that's why it's raining all the time, because now um they keep saying it's a boon for us. Um, but it just looks like this town is destitute. So the woman giving the unfortunate hand job is our main character, <laughs> Vignac Rao's mother. And basically she's been waiting around to get some of this fortune that she's heard about, and her son knows about it, Vignac. So he becomes obsessed with getting the, the gold, which the grandmother knows where it is. And the reason the grandmother is how she is is because she has once found the gold and that's what it does to you if you don't do it properly. So when it cuts 14 years later, it's after his mother has said, you better promise me to never come back to Tumbad and look for this. So obviously he does. And then you see his sort of the middle part of his life. And then when it cuts 14 years later, he now has a son who is his age from chapter one who has caught on to this and he now wants to follow in his father's footsteps. I love the generational thing. I think they do the family thing very well if this takes place, you know, that whole period of time is when India was under British rule. So there's a lot of hints in there to the wars going on. And the reason the last chapter kind of wraps up in 1947 is that's when the British finally pulled out of India and India became independent. But what the Brits did is they split India, the subcontinent, into two sections. So that's why we now have Pakistan and India. Because Britain was afraid that the Muslims and the Hindis would go at each other for civil war. So they actually said, you know what, we want nothing to do with your, your land anymore. But we're going to split up the Muslims and split up the Hindis. And you got you now have two separate governments. Um, so there's a lot of hinting in there, too, with Vinnyak, always seeming to have all this money and be donating things. But he lives in this shithole. Um, there's the whole aspect where he's so greedy. He has this lovely wife and this family. But he still needs a fucking mistress. This whole movie is just about you just can't get enough. And, like, the lengths you'll go. Um, but then there's another, I think, kind of like a... Another smaller role to the story of like well when you have enough and you're not doing anything with it like what's the point anymore
2: Uh, I I, the the generational thing was great but there was a lot of beating of children within the generations Mm -hmm. like not um, anything like super sadistic or anything but this very old school there's a lot of just smack the kid in the head smack him around a little bit throw him down maybe Uh, a lot of that stuff going on the mistress was a little weird i was unclear to me how consummated that was but at one point his son says father has kept a mistress no big deal everybody has one you know it's just like something that you do now there was a lot i think there there was a lot of um hinted commentary about british colonialism and and over that time india became independent and i'm not a lot of that stuff is a little over my head but i think there there was a lot of stuff in there mixed in with, with the morality tale about the personal greed the only thing i know is about brit Indian food and um
1: i spent some time in england and when you get brit indian food like you get curry or like tikka masala or whatever it's served over mashed potatoes not rice oh which is kind of strange yeah. But uh, that's that's where most of my cultural knowledge comes from, is from food. I'll be honest. I don't know much about geography. Uh, I don't know much about, uh, you know, history other than American history,
2: which was taught to be wrong. So I guess I don't really know anything.
3: <laughs> that's where we're all at.
2: I don't think, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think the relationship between Britain and India was one of uh, colonialism, uh, mm-hmm. not... Uh, um, Anything Cul- culinary? Yeah, well, yeah, it was culinaryism. <laughs> culinaryism, I suppose. I thought the movie kind of tried to have it both ways at the end. Um, I f- I thought it kind of copped out a little bit because the whole thing, like your warning about the greed and whatnot, which I don't know. I didn't think he was that greedy. I mean, if you got a well with gold in it, and you know how to get the gold, I think you want to keep going back. You know, it's just gold's just sitting there. You might as well take it, um, mm-hmm. but at the end, I did, I didn't really think that people got their just desserts. I mean, the whole the whole time, it's warning you about the pitfalls and greed and everything's going to happen. But the guy lives a you know, pretty long life, and you now I, I would say it's kind of a happy ending. Like you, you, you kind of I, I didn't feel like it really had the courage of the conviction of of showing where where greed would bring you. Like it's easy to kill off the old guy, but then. Yeah, you know, the kid still lives, and he has the
4: gold, too. So. No, he, no. that's the thing. He turns it down.
2: Yeah, but he still has the whole chest he at home. He, they have the whole chest of gold at their house. Oh, that's he true. Would, but, he said it would last a lifetime. So, and it, and no. it was
1: ultimately the, the son's greed that was the, the downfall of the whole, their whole plan at the end. Right. I did like the little—at first I thought it was a voodoo doll because uh, it's like this little man that too. they make of dough— and it just it makes the demons come uh or whatever they are uh this little man of dough so that you know the kid gets the idea like well if we bring a bunch of them we can really distract the demon um surprise it turns out it turns out that (laughs) there's one for each demon and and i like i like that part i do feel like there's a lot of morals at the end of uh the bollywood movies it, it's important for them
2: to have like some sort of lesson to be learned yeah this one um there was the cigarette warning and there was also an alcohol warning too
3: mm-hmm.
4: oh really oh, i didn't see that one yeah i thought it was just twice it said like smoking is injurious to your health one what time is? it was smoking
2: and then the other time it was smoking and alcohol consumption too oh
1: i wish they did it with like everything that was hazardous to you <laughs> Because, you know, like the kid was sitting on top of that big rock thing, his big brother, when he fell off. It's like sitting on top of teetering rocks can be dangerous to your
4: health. Just go through everything, you know, having a mistress.
2: Lowering yourself into the womb of the goddess of prosperity.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Trent brought up the whole point of um, how the mythology of this was pretty much just made up from scratch. And it's mostly true, which is one of the things that impresses me about this movie is... Like you said, Dave, there's obviously a rich history in, in Indian culture and their mythology. Um, but he really just kind of made up, you know, there is a Hastar in Greek mythology that might fit in a little bit um, and does have something to do with the goddess of plenty from Thumbad. Uh He was a fallen deity as well um, and banished by his family. So, you know, he could have pulled some of that. There's also in biblical terms, there's Maman, which is the Hebrew word for money, but also Uh, The Bible says ye cannot serve God in Maman. And there's a a 1909 uh, 1909 painting by Evelyn de Morgan called The Worship of of Maman, which shows a woman falling at the feet of this uh, semi-visible entity as he holds out a small pouch um, that she's reaching for. So I think that he, he may have just pulled together a bunch of you know, loose things from other, you know, all kinds of different mythologies and put together this this pretty original story. But yeah, I mean, did you guys get into like the actual scary shit at all? Because I thought the creature of Hastar was super scary. You know, I've, I've read some other things where the CGI got panned a little bit, but uh, I thought that that particular creature was terrifying, especially the first time you see it.
3: Yeah, but I think also like I was going into this movie expecting just something completely different. Like I was going into it thinking there was gonna be like, you know, songs and like dancing and like just in my brain, I'm like, this is what Bollywood is, blah, blah, blah. So when I saw that thing, like as soon as I saw grandma with the nails in her mouth, I was like, whoa, this is different. And then I saw a little spooky guy running around in the womb and I was like, Oh, okay, so this is actually, this is a spooky Bollywood movie. It really did look like a womb. It was very weird and bloody and like... I like that. I bet.
1: You remember the womb, Kat?
3: Do I remember being in the womb?
1: Yeah, you said it was like very very much like being in a womb. I, I don't remember that. I, my memory does not go back that far.
3: I, I think I just like imagine how I feel. Like when I'm on my, you know, period, and how like awful and gross it must be in there, and then I'm like, oh yeah, no, that makes sense. That looks like there's a demon running around, plucking, plucking my uterine wall off and throwing it into the abyss. You know.
1: You could take a, a clip from Tombad and make a really good like menstrual meme. I, I like. could. This
3: is my moment. I'm gonna make the the best menstrual meme.
2: I guess I have fonder memories of the womb. You know. I've. <laughs> I've been trying to get back I've in been there ever since. i trying to get back there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so both of these movies are available right now on Prime. If you've got a Prime membership, no, no rental fee. EGOT, uh, you can rent on a couple platforms, Google Play, but you can see both of these on Prime.